You are in the right place. This is where God wants you to be this morning. A couple of things just to, to make note of. First, Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. Would you please stand if you're a mom? Amen. I mean, that's a very brief recognition for something that involves untold hours, countless tears, a lot of joys and triumphs. I mean, the work in the ministry of a mother is just so profound. Secondly, there was a graduation yesterday, I understand. You know, I don't know why Western does their graduation outside, but... uh, So if you're a Western graduate, would you stand up? I think there's at least maybe some here. All right, Molly. Okay. Congratulations, you guys. Good work. Good work. We have some high school graduates who are going to be graduating, but I'm not going to recognize you until you've actually walked. So we are continuing our study on discipleship, the four words, we are on growing in the Spirit. Growing in the Spirit. And as I've mentioned, and I'll continue to mention to you as we go through this, my intent is to talk about the why of each of these and then also the how. Because discipleship is about much more than mental acuity. Understanding the doctrines. That's important. It's important that we understand the why. But it's so much more than that. Discipleship is about being a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. And so I want us to talk about the ways in which we can carry out being a disciple. The four words. And in this morning's instance, growing in the Spirit. Now I have to tell you, as I prepared for this message, it was so challenging. And my wife can attest to some of the struggles. I haven't slept for three nights. And it's really been about this message. Uh, each night, I've just been wrestling with this. And it's not that complex. It's really not. Uh, but for some reason, the Spirit and I have been doing this dance every night uh, <laughs> talking about this. But I think it's because... This is such a pivotal aspect of becoming a full-fledged Christian. Having the, the, the fullness of the Spirit in your life. Growing in relationship to the Spirit. It's such an important aspect of who we are as Christians. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the power and the life of the church was breathed into it when the tongues of fire and the rushing wind came upon the disciples there in the upper room. Jesus had told them, don't go out and start witnessing to me or witnessing about me to the people. Don't go out and start ministering until you've been imbued with power from on high. So again, this is just absolutely critical. Fortunately for you, and for me, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. I'm going to talk about uh, that this morning. I'm going to give you uh, three different areas in which you can engage 
the Holy Spirit and grow with regards to that. But I want to read a spirit, or Scripture first. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. So step back into that. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you love God here this morning? I know you do. That's why you're here. You love Him. No human mind can conceive. No eye can see. No ear can hear. What exactly that involves, except for the fact that God has revealed to us what these things are by His Spirit. When we are born again of the Spirit, we can begin to comprehend, understand, experience what God has intended for those who love Him. Both in this life, as Christians walking in the Spirit, as well as with a forward view towards eternity, the new heavens and the new earth, what God has in mind for each one of us as His sons and daughters. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things because they come from the Spirit of God. They consider them foolishness, and they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have, Paul says, the mind of Christ. Now this passage should just absolutely blow your mind. What I just read to you, if it's true, if it's true, should blow your mind. Because it's saying that the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, is dwelling within you, speaking to you, helping you to grasp what God has in mind, what the spiritual realities are that exist within us and around us. It's not something that the most uh, intelligent professor at the university can even grasp. Human wisdom does not understand these things. We like to uh, puff up human wisdom, our ability to grasp things and say we comprehend them. But this passage suggests that we can't unless the Spirit makes it known to us. Thus, the importance of growing in the Spirit, growing in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Now, in Luke chapter 11, there's a passage that I want to read to you that's going to set the foundation for what we're going to talk about this morning. 
Jesus is teaching the disciples with regards to prayer. And he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Simple logic. But which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, the promise here of Jesus is that God will give to us the Holy Spirit when we ask. When we make petition of the Father, He will give the Holy Spirit to us. He delights in helping us to grow in the Spirit. So that little word, ask, A-S-K, sets the stage here. Ask, A. Seek, S. Knock, K. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as far as how to grow in the Spirit. First, ask. We must ask God to invade our lives, literally. It's certainly true of people who are not spiritually minded, but it's also unfortunately true, I believe, of many of us who are Christians, who are Spirit-filled, that sometimes we close God out of our lives. We, we like to compartmentalize things and put God in a place that is convenient for us. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I believe that we need to ask. We need to say to the Father, Father, give me the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill me, to direct me, to empower me. So the first thing that we need to be doing in order to engage growing in the Spirit is prayer. Prayer. Now, in its simplest form, what is prayer? It's petition, asking for something because you have a need, and it's receiving something in response to that petition. That's the very basic nature of prayer. We ask for things, and God, according to His perfect will, gives them to us. Jesus is talking about giving us the Holy Spirit when we ask Him, and we do have need of the Holy Spirit. But prayer, ultimately, and this is what I want to challenge you on here this morning, prayer ought to be about so much more than just asking for things from God. Prayer in its most mature form, is about a relationship with God. We pray to the Father, our Father, which art in heaven. And we pray to the Father in the name of the Son. Jesus said, when you ask for anything in my name, it will be given unto you. So we pray to the Father in the name of the Son. 
but we pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we enter in through prayer into a relationship with the Holy Spirit and His power. It's not just something that we ought to relegate to three times a day before we eat our meals. It's not just something that we should uh, engage in when we are in crisis. Although both of those examples are absolutely all right. We should pray for our meals. We should pray to our Lord when we're in crisis. But I am suggesting to you that we should engage in a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit that is 24-7. Again, asking Him to invade our lives. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. Never give up on prayer. Never allow prayer to to just be something you do at certain points or stages. But let prayer constantly fill your life. As we mature in prayer, as we get beyond that point where we're just asking for petition, where we're just asking for blessing upon our food, and so forth. We enter into a relationship with God through the Spirit that is dynamic. It is infinite in its scope. See, it, it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. There is an aspect to our experience with prayer that is encompassed by our understanding. The things that we can grasp. Someone comes to us, they have a prayer need. Okay, got it. I'll pray for that. I will lift that up to the throne of grace and ask for blessing upon it. But Paul says, I will also pray with the Spirit. What does that mean? I will pray with the Spirit. I get praying with the understanding, but what does it mean to pray with the Spirit? It's something that we need to understand because in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says that we are to pray always in the Spirit. And in Jude chapter 20, or Jude chapter 20, there's only one chapter of Jude, Jude verse 20, it says that we are to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying always in the Spirit. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, I suggest to you that it has a lot of meanings, but ultimately what it means is that we allow the Holy Spirit of God into our prayer time. We say, Holy Spirit, take control of this prayer. Lead me in this prayer. Guide me as I speak. Help me to pray aright. And the Holy Spirit will do that. Now, that's one aspect of praying in the Spirit where we're allowing the Holy Spirit in. We're still praying with understanding. We understand the words. We're speaking the words that are are known to us. but, but, But the Holy Spirit is sovereign over those words. But there's more to praying in the Spirit than that. Paul in in 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about the experience of speaking in prayer in words that he does not understand. He does not comprehend. It is beyond his understanding. It is in the Spirit. It is prayer language that the Holy Spirit controls. 
He talks about this also in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He said there are times where you will pray and the Holy Spirit will be so sovereign over your prayer that you will pray in groanings and utterings that human understanding cannot comprehend. Now, some of you, I I can see on your faces, you're thinking, whoa, what's he talking about? I'm talking about praying in the Spirit. I'm talking about allowing the Spirit to take control of my language to where what I am saying, I don't understand. The groanings I am making, I don't comprehend. But the Holy Spirit does. Remember what I wrote or I read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? Who understands the things of God, the mind of God? It's the Holy Spirit of God. Who conveys the perfect will of God to us? It's the Holy Spirit. So what I'm suggesting to you is that as you mature in prayer, you will have an experience where prayer goes beyond your understanding. And it goes into a realm of the Spirit that you cannot control, that you cannot master, that you cannot manipulate. It might be a groaning. It might be a language that is incomprehensible to you, but comprehensible to the Holy Spirit who is transferring that to the throne of grace. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in relationship with the Spirit. Allowing the Spirit to be sovereign in our prayer. Ask. So important. So very important. If if my prayer life only extends to the point of my comprehension and understanding. It's limited indeed. But when I, in faith, trust the Holy Spirit to take control, anything's possible. The second thing I want to talk about there in Luke chapter 11 is seek. Seek and you will find. Now, the, the, the word seek to me uh, brings to me the notion of a treasure hunt. Seeking after something that you're trying to find. You're on a treasure hunt. And in this particular case, what we are seeking is to hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to us. Now, I've told you several times that you should absolutely expect God to speak to you. Why is it considered unusual that God should speak to His children? I mean, some people, when you talk and and you say to them, well, God spoke to me today, they're like, okay, nice talk to you. Why is that considered unusual? It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that God has spoken throughout the ages uh, in many ways to His people. We should, as His children... Expect to hear his voice. Now, I want to talk to you about how to do that. I want to give you a little treasure map to work with. First, when you are engaging God and anticipating hearing his voice, you need to posture yourself to listen. You need to be in a a place where you are ready to hear the voice of God, listening for that voice. I had an experience once 
where I was in a large crowd and my daughter had, she was probably nine years old, had gotten separated from me. There was a cacophony of voices all around. And I didn't know where my daughter was. And I was worried. So I began to listen. And in all of the voices, and, and some of you moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I could begin to hear my daughter's voice. That's what I'm suggesting to you when it comes to hearing the Holy Spirit. That you need to posture yourself with a tender heart, an intentional focus on God to hear His voice, to expect Him to speak to you. You know, if we're just going about our daily business, uh, running over here, rushing over there, it's going to be much more difficult for you to hear His voice. But if you listen, if you tune in, you'll be able to do that. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, chastised his disciples for their hardness of heart. He said, oh, you slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken about the Messiah. See, the, the, the disciples had an unbelieving focus on themselves rather than an intentional focus on God. And so we need to be postured to listen. And then we need to hear. Jesus said in Revelation 3.22, and actually this was one of his favorite sayings, he said it several times throughout the Scriptures, both in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So you're postured, you're listening. Lord, what are you speaking to me? And then the Lord speaks, and you need to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Now, God speaks in several different ways to us. If you go through the Scriptures, uh, there are some of the more prominent ones through the Word. Who's the author of this book? It's the Holy Spirit. God will speak to you as you read the Word. His Spirit will communicate truths to you. It says in John chapter 14, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. But He will tell you what is yet to come, and He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine, and that is why I said that the Spirit will receive from Me and then make it known to you. So the Spirit is speaking to us through His Word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of you have a regular daily devotional time in the Bible? Okay, good. Good portion of you. It's, it's during those times where you're, you're just devotionally reading the Bible. Not at other times. I mean, that, that it doesn't happen at other times. It certainly can. But, but in that regular daily time in the word where so often God speaks to me. And I'll come across a scripture that I did not anticipate. And it's like, oh, I hear you, Lord. I, that's speaking to me about something that's going on in my life. So the word of God, the Spirit speaks through. The Spirit speaks through the circumstances of our lives. 
It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. So the circumstances of our lives are so arranged that God speaks to us through them if we are listening, if we are hearing. The circumstances of our lives, sometimes we think we are in control of them, that we're managing them, but the Proverbs would suggest otherwise. Proverbs 16.9 says that the mind of a man plans his way, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. See, God is ordering your steps for family, for work, for school, for ministry. And the circumstances that you find yourself in, so often I have learned as I'm in those experiences that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me through them. And I'm learning things about the Holy Spirit, about myself, about this life, through the circumstances of my life. Sometimes God speaks to us supernaturally. The Bible talks about receiving dreams and visions. And there on the day of Pentecost, Peter, quoting from Joel, the prophet, said that in the last days there would be young men who would dream dreams and old men who would see visions. And there would be an expectation of supernatural messaging from God to his people. And some of you have experienced this. Some of you have had supernatural dreams. Some of you have uh, been given visions from God where he, through those, directs your steps. You know what I'm talking about. So he speaks in that way. Sometimes he speaks to us through prophetic means. Someone will speak the word of God forth. Prophecy isn't always about foretelling the future. That's one aspect of prophecy. But the most common aspect of prophecy is where someone speaks the word and speaks it forth into our lives. The other day, uh, Chris and I were down in the office and the Spirit of God came on Mary Beth and she began to prophesy over us, speaking things into Chris and my life that, that the Holy Spirit wanted us to know. And it was important. So God speaks to us in so many different ways, but we have to have ears to hear. We have to be in a a posture to listen. We have to have an expectation of, of a tender heart that God loves us so much that He wants to communicate His will to us, His plans for us, His purpose in us. That's not weird, church. It's absolutely not. That should be the ordinary Christian life. Seek. Seek to hear the voice of the Spirit. And then finally, knock. Jesus told a parable about a woman who came to a judge and she wanted the judge to deliver a verdict in her favor. And she kept knocking at his chamber doors and would not stop. And finally, the judge says, you know, if I don't deliver a verdict for this woman, she's never going to stop pestering me. And so the judge delivers the verdict. And Jesus used that to illustrate the importance of us pestering God, for lack of a better phrase. How many of you in here this morning have a situation in your life that you need to break through on? That you need to overcome on? That it just seems overwhelming and you don't know in your own 
mind how it's ever going to resolve itself constructively, positively. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of you aren't really telling the truth. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Or, or, or I'll, I'll cut you some slack. It could be that you're not going through it right now, but you will. You will. We all do. There are times where it's just tough. We're going through some hard stuff. And we need the, the Holy Spirit's power, His life within us to help us to persevere. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, uh, self-control, long-suffering. We need that life of the Spirit in us to help us to deal with the circumstances that we're going through. Other times, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to overcome, to press through, to break down the strongholds of the enemy. Because there are times, the Bible says, that the enemy sets up strongholds. And those strongholds are difficult for us to break through. But the weapons of our warfare, Paul said to the Corinthians, are not carnal. In other words, it's not our intelligence. It's not our finances. It's not our ability to uh, manipulate or uh, raise up an army of men and women to follow us that's going to gain us the victory. The weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. To break through those difficult things. But sometimes we need to knock fiercely. And knocking fiercely, I am going to suggest to you, involves, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about listening and hearing. The knocking involves an activity that Jesus talked about, that Jesus participated in, called fasting. Now this is not fasting to diet. It's not fasting to lose weight. This is fasting for spiritual power. Jesus, of course, in, in Matthew chapter 4, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Later, Jesus was talking about fasting, and he says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, in that passage, there is an expectation that Jesus is putting forth that his disciples will fast. And that as a matter of their fasting, their father who will be observing them will reward them. Now, when Jesus' disciples were with him on the earth, they did not fast. But John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. 
No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into new old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are perverse. Preserved. Jesus is talking about the fact that after he ascends to the Father, there will come a time when the disciples of, that are following after him will fast. Now, I, I, I don't want to make fasting um, this sort of mysterious, um, weird kind of thing. Again, it's, it's, it's sort of the ordinary part of the Christian life. We should be regularly fasting in some respect. Now, what is fasting? Essentially, fasting is foregoing of food, typically speaking. Foregoing of food for a period of time. And doing so in order to allow the Holy Spirit to gain ascendancy in our lives over our flesh. That's why we, why we fast. We are essentially saying, I'm going to subdue the flesh for a period of time and I'm going to focus on the Spirit. Now, that said, not everybody can fast from food. There are dietary things that go on um, that are some people, you know, that would be terribly de- deleterious to them if they did that. But there are other things that you can fast from. I, for me, food isn't that hard to fast from. You know what's hard for me to fast from? Television. What, what's your favorite show? Try not watching your favorite show for a week or two. See how that goes not so easy fasting how does fasting uh, create a situation that helps us to grow in the spirit well first as i said it's a, a voluntary intentional submission of the flesh in humility as jesus pointed out in humility so that the spirit can have ascendancy for that period of time the focus is on the spirit and not on the flesh Paul said to the Corinthians, he said to couples, he said, don't deny one another the marital privilege unless it be for a period of time where you commit yourselves to prayer and to fasting. So Paul's estimation of it was that fasting would be a, a routine part of the Christian walk. So, fasting is subduing the flesh, putting it in submission to the Spirit. Fasting also gives us spiritual power. You know, I talked about the um, strongholds that exist in our lives. And many of you raised your hands. There was a stronghold in a young boy who had an impure spirit. Jesus, as he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, was confronted by a situation where there was a a father and his son, and the son was demon-possessed. And the disciples had been trying to cast out the the demon from this boy. Now, the interesting part is this is after the disciples had had great success casting demons out of people who were afflicted by demons. Jesus had sent them forth and given them authority, and they had had success. 
But when Jesus came down, the, the father said, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And when it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus said, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And the father said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So Jesus cast out the, and rebuked the impure spirit. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed violently, and came out. So after this had all happened, Jesus went indoors to a nearby home. And his disciples came to him privately and asked him, Lord, why could we not drive it out? We did everything that we had always done. We did everything that was successful before. What was the difference here that kept us from being successful? And Jesus replied to them and said, this kind comes out only by prayer and by fasting. So growth in the Spirit, knocking for breakthrough, for overcoming, fasting empowers us over certain strongholds, certain spiritual realities because we have subdued the flesh and we have put ourselves totally in reliance upon the Holy Spirit. So fasting is, is one of those challenging things. I've talked to people about fasting. It's sort of like talking to people about tithing. Well, God hasn't really called me to fast. Or God hasn't really called me to tithe. You know, there's just something about food and finances. But the reality is for, for the disciple, if the, for the person who is desiring to have spiritual power, break through power, there will be some times where you need to fast. Separate yourself from food or some other kind of uh, behavior that maybe isn't evil or sinful in and of itself, but is just something that keeps your focus off of, away from the Holy Spirit. So ask Pray, grow in relationship to the Spirit and His sovereignty in your prayer life. Seek to hear the voice of the Spirit through a tender heart, an attentive ear, an aware mind. And knock when you need breakthrough, when you need power to pull down strongholds. Understand that God has given you a tool in order to accomplish that. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word. But today we're thanking You mostly for the power of Your Spirit and what You have given to us through prayer to relate with the Holy Spirit and to grow as disciples of Christ. And so I pray for this congregation, Lord, I know there are many here this morning who have not fully grasped or comprehended everything I've said. I pray that the Spirit would make known to them those things, Lord, according to Your will in Your time. But for the others who the Spirit has spoken to, I pray, Lord, that You would direct their steps into 
a more powerful, fruitful, growing relationship with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are going to try to do hymn 543 again. Oh, breath of life. Now, I practiced this all week. So hopefully I'm going to do it a little bit better this week than we did last week. As I mentioned to you last week, great lyrics in this word. A little bit funky when it comes to the rhythm and stuff, but we're going to give it a go because we have a master pianist over here that uh, will help us. So let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. Open up your hymnals if you want uh, to hymn number 543, O Breath of Life. And Alicia, just like last week, would you take us through one time? Let's gather around in a circle and we're going to have joys.